Daily Game Face. I am Dr. Kim Lannon, and I'm here with the stupendous, <laughs> I have to figure out my words, Lou Blasey. Good morning. I was ready with four seconds to go today. That was good. <laughs> you know what? And you I'm weren't, gonna, by the way. I'm, yeah. I was ready. I was ready. I was here. Yeah. I had done all my prep. So you, I love that you pick on me. It makes my Wednesday mornings. Yeah. Thank you so much. Not, not adding to your headache? Yes, so I have a headache this morning. Yep. <laughs> I should. I think Mercury's in retrograde or something. Uh, I actually should know that because I have a client that makes sure I know that on a daily. <laughs> then if they're into astrology? They are, mm -hmm. yes, which is very different than uh, astronomy. So, yes. Yes, um, which is a whole other thing. I'm a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy Leo. Oh, well, I don't know enough about <clears throat> astrology to know about the self-fulfilling yeah. parts, but I do know, you know, standard uh, temperament types. Of People tend to get a, uh, they tend to latch on to their astrology symbol and they tend to act like it because they like it. Because they like it. And I'm kind of like that. Oh. I kind of embrace the whole Leo So thing. you're like Leo the lion. Yeah. I'm also, I might be a self-fulfilling INFJ too. <laughs> well, now people are going to go, what's an INFJ? Yeah. Go ahead. I'm an INFJ, which is a really weird personality Com type, and yeah, the Briggs it's a really weird Briggs Myers, right. yeah. But I tested, and I came up with that, and I go, yes, that's exactly what I am. And I, I don't know if I don't know, like I said, I don't know if I'm self fulfilling it or that's what I am. Well, it's interesting. So I had I had Susan Krauss Whitborn is a professor. I'm not sure if she's still there, but at UMass Amherst many many years ago. So. That will date me and her. Mm -hmm. She's actually very famous. Um, she's done lots of good social psychology uh, experiments and contributed to the field in lots of different ways. And one of the things she did, which I found fascinating, I will never forget it, is she had us all take a personality quiz our very first day or something in class. It must have been the first couple of days. Was it the Briggs Meyer or was it another one? It was. It was. It was just. I. Can't, it okay. was just like a random kind of thing. I don't even remember what it was. Yep. It could have been a Myers Briggs. I don't know what it was. Yep. But we all got back with our names on it. There were 300 people in the class too. This was interesting. So we all got back an envelope with our names on it with a piece of paper with this description on it. Mm -hmm. And then she said, hey, everyone read your description of how your results came out, whatever. And then she said, everyone in the class, you know, raise your hand if you feel it really describes you. 99% of the people in the class yeah. raised their hand. I think I know where this is going too. <laughs> they all were the same. Yep. All of them. Mm -hmm. So, to your point, yeah. is that we self-fulfill. We look for, you know, it's kind of like talking about psychics before. We we look for the things that we relate to and that we can form a narrative around. The goal. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that right. makes sense. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Because some way we can fit it into the little box to yeah. feel who we are to make us feel good, yeah. validate our experience, and self-fulfill on occasion. Well, the other analogy is when you go to WebMD and you have everything on the planet. That's right, and that's why when you take my psychology classes, as soon as you walk out the door, you think that you have every diagnosis in the book. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's, my, that's always my warning at the beginning of every class I teach is, you are not everything that we talk about, and you are not <laughs> the entire DSM-5, yeah. which is the Diagnostic Manual for Psychology. I'm like, you are going to think you have all these yeah. things, but in fact, you don't. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, it's like medical school. You come out with, you know, everything. Yep. <laughs> Hyperchondriacal beings yes. um so but yes so we digress again but that was not what we were talking about today i actually am going to tell you because i always have to update you on my snowy owl thing do you think i actually found one this week no 
Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think I tried? Yeah. Yes, I did. I was right up in that neck of the woods. However. Did you at least get an eagle? eagles are Oh, my God. I got eagles this weekend. Can't swing a dead cat without hitting an eagle these days. That's a nice image. Uh, it's so, an old phrase. Come on. I know. Yeah. But, you know, I'm very sensitive about cats. Yeah. So um, I got some beautiful eagle shots this weekend, and it was quite spectacular. And I won't give away the spot because it's a secret spot now that I have found. Is it? But this spot, mm-hmm. which is close to you, um, uh, I was standing there looking at the eagles. They were flying around. There's some juveniles, and there's big, beautiful adults. And all of a sudden, there's, there were a couple other people with their big, long lenses and on the tripods, and I'm looking out over this water, and all of a sudden, I see this really weird thing, like, moving. It looked like a perfect little, like, um, remember, you know, the commercial with, like, the little whale for, like, the Carvel cake, and it would come yeah. up and be like, you know, whatever, the whales. And this little... This little miniature whale, which clearly wasn't a whale, yep. but in my eye line, it's like, oh, there's this thing that's like an arch and it's doing, the, you know, and I'm like, oh, no words. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because I couldn't get it. <laughs> right. I'm trying to take pictures of it. And a beautiful little fur seal was like nice. just chilling out right yep. in the middle. And it must have found a little sandbar. So I got that. And then we went over to look for the snowy owl. And that down the refuge. Darn snowy owl. Yeah. I didn't see it. Nobody had seen any that day. However, on the trek along the beach that I was on, we came upon some fur seals. Two of them. On the beach? On the beach. Well, and one that. was yeah. very injured. Oh. And who's bleeding. And so I actually have to do a shout out to the wonderful people at the Marine. I'm going to mess it up. Like I think it's the Mammal Marine Refuge that's either yeah. Newberry or somewhere in the vicinity. I called them. It was like 4.30 in the afternoon. And they were amazing. They came out. They sent responders. They kept in text with me to find exactly where this seal was. And they kept in touch with me like until the next day till they figured out what was going on. So it, we thought maybe it had gotten They kept bit. in touch with you. Yeah, nice. they did. Nice. They were excellent. Yeah. Um, and they, the little pectoral on the left-hand side looked like it looked from... We didn't get really close because we didn't want him to attack us. Right. <laughs> Not that it was going to move very fast because it was injured. Um, it looked like maybe some shark stuff, but they said it was probably something got tangled or, or hurt it and yeah. was bleeding. But anyway, little teeny little thing. And then just up the beach, like a quarter more mile, there was another one, but he was just chilling out. Yep. And they informed me that that was a, um, a semi-young baby who had just separated from its mother within the oh. past three or four weeks. And super cute. I got the cutest pictures. Yep. So although I didn't get my snowy owl, I got seals. Seals and eagles, yeah. <laughs> I got fur seals, and they were adorable and females. I've got that, um, those people in my contact information because they tell you to keep it in. If you see a seal on the beach, you're supposed to call them. Well, I didn't yeah. know that, but I did yeah. anyways because I felt really bad for them. And uh, it was, yeah, you yeah. know me. I've never seen one on the beach. I mean, you you go out to the end of the jetty and they'll play with you. And and there's a big rock pile in the middle of the mouth where they sit all the time. Well, they they weren't. I I did see pictures of someone that took them yesterday of them. But um, when we were there, it was they looked like they were way up near the sand dunes and they were um, they looked like logs. So a lot of people (laughs) didn't I don't think realize that that's what they were. But I was walking along looking for snowy owls. So I was up closer to the sand dunes being well behaved not doing the inappropriate thing, walking on the sand dunes. Mm-hmm. And it looked like a log until it moved its head. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that moved its head. And they, you know, they're gray, so obviously they look like a log, like a driftwood. Did you see our uh, iceberg guys the last couple of days? No. <laughs> a couple of teenagers got on a piece of ice on the Merrimack and floated down on it. Ah. 
No, no, they were cool. They were good. Okay. They, they're in their they're in their wetsuits and oh my they're up there. They built a fire on the. They started to build a fire on the ice sheet and they're just sitting there in lawn chairs and you know, oh just gosh. having a good old time floating that. down the river. It was great. Oh wow! Yeah. I'll have to look that up. I missed that. Yeah, make the most of it. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, yeah. and it's good. there's not going to be much left because yeah. today is going to be another sixty degree day. We've got another sixty degree day tomorrow. Nice. And all the snow's melting in my yard. And oh, and then that was the other thing. I didn't see owls, but I have all the beavers in my backyard that uh -oh. are back. And I got lots you have of backyard beavers. I do. I I actually when I first bought that house twenty something years ago, I didn't have a lake. And now I do. I have waterfront property. Well, there you go. And I didn't even have to pay extra for it. Yep. So I have um, resident beavers that um, have destroyed every birch tree in my backyard yep. and have, you know. So. Yeah, but you have a lake. I do. Yeah, that lake is going to come into my, flood my basement and my yep. home office. So we, we yeah. That's a whole other story that I won't go into today. Cause... I, have, I have battled beavers. Well, we've, we've battled the yeah. beavers in all the eco-friendly ways because we have the beaver solutions people come from amherst at least three times a year really yeah professional yes. beaver relief people yes beaver solutions well beaver that's what solutions. they're called they come all the way from amherst and hadley massachusetts and we have utilized them over the past decade a lot wow yep we have we i can tell you someday about what does a believe what does a beaver solution go for these days um, I don't know. The town pays for it. Oh, the town pays for it. Yes. Oh, good. Because Excellent. the waterway leaks over into the Concord tributary. So it's oh. a town issue on oh, our it's property. It's a conservation issue. Exactly. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine it's pricey. Yeah. Because of what I've seen. They're going to come from do. Hadley. Exactly. And they got to deal with beavers. I know. Which isn't so easy. It, it is a quite funny story that I will not go into here because, yeah. Well, someday maybe I will, but yeah, it's quite the story. You know, working for this company, there was a transmitter site that had a beaver issue. Oh, yeah? And a dam issue, yeah. Oh. And some flooding, and we battled them. We went several rounds with those beavers. We have a very large dam in our backyard yeah. that is magnificent, and <laughs> the faster it comes down, the faster it goes up. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> really? You could be taking it apart, which, by the way, I know people out there, if they're listening, they're like, you can't do that. When you have permission yep. from the Beaver Solutions people and you have direction from the town what to do and, and the you conservation get permission, people. you are allowed yeah. until you give up because while you're taking it apart, they're building it and they're swimming past you to do so. Yes. <laughs> and therefore, it's very frustrating. I've experienced <laughs> it's, that. It's a cycle. Talk about psychological wellness. Yep. Standing at the backyard going, no, stop it. <laughs> I've had them. I've been taking apart dams while several of them are watching. Oh, yes. And then we, they just go right back to work. We have that experience. Yeah. Yep. We have taken one. This was years ago. We took one whole big part of one dam down. And by the time we had gone to bed and come back the next morning, they had dropped another tree and rebuilt it double the size that we took down oh the day God. before. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this is not going well. Well, see, they have human human solutions. They yes. They have a bunch of beavers upriver that come down and deal with humans. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So now that we've so had So how's your the, headache? My headache's better. Yeah, see? I think that's because we talked out all my stress. Yes. Yes. Um, so thank you for asking. <laughs> Even I get headaches. Well, we all get headaches. You know, but people think sometimes, you know, it's kind of like when you sit in your office and then sit, they see you at the grocery store. It's like you, you don't exist outside. The, you know, it's like little kids when they see their teacher. 
Well, see, some of that is you're out of context. Well, that's well, that's they don't it. recognize you. It's not like they're ignoring you. It's just oh, don't I don't think that they're ignoring you. It's you're yeah. out of context because they also don't think about you being out of your context. Right. So to see you out in the world, like, oh, you exist outside of that yep. box. Yeah, exactly. So I too have headaches. I too have things. Um, I am human. But that's why I asked you because I was trying to figure out whether it was a stress headache or whether there's some physical something physical to it or something nope, like just that. No, stress. Yeah. A lot going on, you know. So, and I think it's a little sinus thing, which every time I'm in here, I swear I'm allergic to this room. You think so? I do. What's, so, in, what's in here that you'd be allergic to? The soundproofing. The foam having mites and dust in it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> eh, maybe. And every time I get in here, I'm like draining. So, okay. So last week, mm-hmm. moving along, last week, oh my gosh, everyone had such a great time with Calvin. That was great. And lots of great feedback. Can't wait to have him on again because people are wanting to have him on. And I have a list of people that will be coming over the next couple months from the Human Baton. Nice. To, you know, flesh out the story more of like Calvin's story because he's, you know, not only a veteran, but he has all those other pieces. And then I've got other people like J.C. Chappelle, who I talked about, who's a driver for the Human Baton Mm -hmm. uh, franchises. And then I've got the producers of the show that I work with. And then I've got the Veterans Trust guys that are the veterans team for it and then Team Endurance. So I've got all the women that are going to come. So we've got a lot. Yeah, it's so much fun. And there's really cool things with each one of them and each their causes and and how you can look at it from a health and wellness perspective because they all are invested in, um, as an aside, so like the Veterans Trust. The Veterans Trust has a team in in our franchise for the Human Baton, and they collectively um, are obviously, you know, veterans from the U.S. military, and they have such a great cause because it's getting guys and women into this basically because the mental health of people struggles when they come back from serving in war or serving overseas in war zones and then coming back and retiring, mm. air quoting, um, or, or you know, being discharged honorably and then having their identity being all that and now, now what do you do? And right. there's a lot of depression, as we know, suicide, um, anxiety, PTSD, or yep. PTSD. Um, and then... And then this is a great outlet. So the Veterans Trust is involved with uh, the Human Baton and being able to promote health and wellness through uh, outlets like racing because it gets the adrenaline rush. And, you know, between jumping out of a plane, riding an endurance horse, drift cars, desert race cars, rally cars, thundercat boats, you know, there's got to be some charge somewhere. So it's it's about getting some camaraderie, getting people a universal shared experience, really bringing people together, um, getting the endorphin rush, the serotonin, the mental health yep. pieces that are physical. So, and that's across the board for anybody that joins, but the Veterans Trust particularly is great for that. And that's part of Calvin. Calvin's not Veterans Trust, but Calvin's a veteran. And so he's part of that. In that way. I'm guessing it's less now because the volunteer, the army now is basically volunteer, but there are career military people. And I'm guessing that death of self in retirement from military yeah has got to be very traumatic well so because so in, you in lose just, so much so and it's huge. so intense well so your if your identity i just had this conversation with um police officers are similar so yesterday i was talking to a police officer who um is taking an early retirement by a couple of years just mm-hmm. because the accumulation of trauma over time right right um and similar to a career uh, veteran career military so you know you put in 30 something years and that's all you've known 
So you're sort of like a workaholic. You're you're wed to that job, and that's what you've known. You've yep. served, you've nurtured, you've given back. You're always protecting. You're always there to do that that role, and now it stops abruptly. And then what's your identity? And so this particular person, along with other people I work with in, in those fields, is I always try to set them up knowing that if 10 years from now they're going to retire, because by and large they all come with the same issue, that they're not ready for retirement in the way that if they retire today, they're going to be in six months very sad and yeah. depressed and down. And that's not to say it has anything to do with their constitution. It's just they don't have an identity outside of serving. Right. Yeah. So it's getting them prepared and the lack of preparation of what comes afterwards kind of like empty nesters with kids in a different way, but similar that you're always identifying with, I'm a parent, I'm a parent, I'm a parent. Oh, now I have nothing here. And now I've got to look at the other person I live with and go, Ugh. right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it, they're, they're similar in that respect that how do you get good, healthy functioning after you've put a career into something you've identified with who, who you only know. So athletes have the same thing. We've talked about that before, how amazing, you have a career for 15, 20, 30 years and being an, a pro athlete or growing up in yeah. it, and then all of a sudden, no more. Yeah, you're working in front of crowds. You're at, you know, there's adulation, there's camaraderie, the, right. the locker room. They, people, pro athletes miss the locker room, I imagine, yes. as much as anything else. Exactly. So, like, pro yeah. athletes and Olympic athletes miss the travel, miss the togetherness, um, miss the training, you know, and that's why a lot of athletes so veterans miss the intent you talk about intent so much right so you have an athlete athletes usually miss the intent they all miss the intensity across the board so whether it's an athlete a a military person a police personnel fire personnel it's the amount of constantly being right in the moment right in the moment or the potential that the anticipation of the moment is coming I, i meant the intent like an athlete has we've got to win a game Oh, I've yeah, got to get yeah. better oh, yes. at this. The, the they get up in the morning. They have something to work towards. Right. So, yeah. There, yeah. So you have, in any of those things that we're talking about, the intention to live forward every yeah. day with something. It's a mindfulness event that just becomes automatic. But if you don't have other things that you're mindful of to be creating, the automatic piece right. is, is on stall because you're not automatically going to what you know. Mm-hmm. You have to create something new. And so it's incredibly stressful for them yeah um so so going back to like how to have good health and wellness around retirement or or your identity being caught up in that and we're talking like 20 and 30 year olds that have had you know in athleticism 20 and 30 year olds are retiring or if you have a career um, military person they're clearly you know their 50s or 60s it's the same kind of deal. It's really like, okay, now what do I do with myself? Well, any kind who of re- am I? Any kind of retirement, any kind of job loss, especially I think, if, if I can get sexist here, especially I think for men. I, you will never. <laughs> <laughs> especially for men because men self-identify with their work so closely. And you know, a lot of self-worth is put up in their work and bringing home the check and things like that. And when they're not dealing with that. Well, it's a I think, big adjustment for them. So, so being that it was sexist, it, but I think it's traditional, the traditional role. <laughs> it's the traditional role for sure. Well, of, women also maintain a life outside of their work well, so, differently so, than a man. So that's where I was going to make the, yeah. the, the diversion away from like it's, it, it was, it is, I'm just using a word. It was sexist yeah. only in the fact that it was like that traditional role identification. But women tend to have better success after being a mom, a stay-at-home mom, or mom and working in terms of when there's movement around them and change because women are adapting all the time due to their role in general. So 
um, they're not as wed, so to speak, you know, across the board, and I'm speaking very generally here, they're not as sure. wed necessarily to the job and <clears throat> the role of bringing home a check and then going to work and bring there they've got a diverse um well they have worth in other places oh, they, right they have so worth in being the mother worth they yeah. have friendships they yeah, have other right. family connections that they maintain they have you know school system community yep. uh, so there's a lot more to their if we're if we're looking at sort of the traditional sense of things comparatively to the male gender right. um that's changed though so there's a oh, bigger sure, there's yeah. a huge trend in you know stay-at-home dads and well, so just in this last year alone, I've had this conversation in the past couple of weeks a lot because now everyone's shifting going back to school and parents are doing the happy dance and they're also going, wait, what are we going to do? <laughs> so it's yeah. so funny because here we were a year ago, everyone was talking about like, this is terrible. Oh my gosh, everyone's going to be locked in. And now it's, okay, this is terrible and we're all locked in, but wait, they're all leaving and now what am I going to do? So what yeah. a flip around of, you know, the kids are going and they're excited, but then there's already the realization of, oh gosh, yeah. now I'm here with myself or my spouse or my friend or whoever I'm living with. And so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens here yep. in our in our little neck of the woods around the mental changes and the health of people around that because now adults that are adulting in the house with their kids are no longer going to be with their kids 8, 10, 15 hours a day all the time. Challenging times. I know, right? So it will be... Some people are still rubbing their hands gleefully, though. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that, that oh. the kids I, are going back. I mean, I haven't met anyone that's not jumping up and down excited yeah. about it, really, yep. truly. Um, but I'm just waiting for the next couple of weeks after going, uh-oh. <laughs> By the way, it's only for eight to ten weeks, and then, then they'll and be And then out they're again. back out for, yeah. for summer again. <laughs> right, exactly. So, And the high school's not even going back till April. Yep. Maybe. It looks like maybe end of April. So this is something we will face in our adult lives more and more these days, mm. where, where there's a, a change of job, or just a change of circumstance, and it's it, there's that death of self, and you have to rebuild. You have right. to find new purposes and new sources of worth, and you know that type of thing. Exactly, and yeah. and I think that you know people change jobs between the age of like sixteen and twenty three on average nine times. Yeah. So. You know, people scramble to get that one job to keep them solid, to keep them stable, to do that. But then, see, that's why I'm always encouraging people to have diverse things to have in their life so that you're not just yeah. identifying with only one thing so that you've got a job, but you also have other things going on to make you complete. But that's 16 to 23, that's what you are. You aren't your job 16 to 23. Right. You you have a job. Right. You aren't your job. But at, when you've been in your work 20 years and you're 40 years old or 45, right. you are the, that's a large part of your self-identity. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which is still why between 16 and 23, encouraging people to be diverse, because although it's not your job, a lot of people, because social norming makes it that, you know, you have to, you know, it's the mindset staying yep. in the job, even if you change it a lot. It's sticking with something, but not diversifying so that, you know, I encourage young people, hey, have a job. And have another little job on the side. So you're having some other opportunities, making sure you have hobbies, making sure you have all these things for life balance because you'll be 45 and then going, huh, this is all I've got. Plus, by the way, diversity of income is always good. Well, a, a side hustle, even if it's something that you like and you enjoy. Right. Pays big dividends. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's in such an incentive plan, I think, for people, you know, kids, yeah. teenagers 
early young, you know, when, when people say to me, I'm going to go to college, I'm not going to work. I always cringe. I'm like, you should work. Yep. doesn't mean you have to work 40 hours, but I think that all college kids, by and large, should have like a 10-hour a week job. Yep. Work in the dining common, work in the bookstore, work it's just so that there's something else that keeps you in the real world because college, yeah. <laughs> from my recollection, college was fun. It was very fun. And I worked yep. because I wanted that extra money so that I could have fun. And so, yeah, and, and also buy things and do things that I wanted for myself. And it was, it was important. Plus there's a, that door slam at the end of college where That's the right. college George closes behind you and you turn around and you go, okay, now what? Now what do I do? Yeah. Right. So, well, so, so that's part of the health and wellness planning in your head, you know, whether you're doing it in your early twenties and your college years, or you're doing it at 55 or 65 when you're deciding, oh, it's time for me to retire or whatever. One of the, one of the cool things I have the benefit of doing right now is I teach a graduate level um, certificate program for addiction counseling. That's one of the things I do. And um, I can't, the average age, I would imagine if I could guess from year to year is roughly 46, 47 years old. Mm -hmm. Because by and large, it's people who are mostly getting out of the career, the corporate world, the executive thing that they were doing, the whatever, and going into something new because they want something more fulfilling. They want to give back. They want to do something different. And they've left. I have students who've left big paying jobs, retired out, done that, and now they're coming back to do this because it's something because there's no money in addictions counseling yeah. unless you own a sober home. Let but, me ask you this. Yes. What percentage of your students are recovering addicts? A lot. Yeah. A lot. Not it's, all, but more than more than not. For, and I'm not knocking this because I've done a lot of addiction shows and, right. and talked to a lot of people, and it's almost necessary. You almost have to be in the addiction mindset. To, I mean, you need some outside skills, but there is something. I've never been an addict, so I have trouble just getting into the mindset of an mm -hmm. addict and dealing with them. So that's a real big job qualification to understand the, the, addict, the mindset of an addict. But by, all I've seen is everybody that I talk to in these shows is in counseling now. I mean, they're counseling other people. Right. Well, so so there's a couple things about that because... So I'm not an addict, so, but I've been doing work with addicts sure. since I began my career um, because it's hard to really, it's, this might sound odd, but it's hard to find people in the mental health field as clients um, that don't have it in their life somewhere. If not themselves, they right. have it around them and it's impacting them. So yeah. it's and increasingly over the past 25 years of me doing this, I've seen it more and more and more. Not necessarily. And by the way, there's alcohol and drugs and things like that, but there's also shopping. Well, also but that's what I'm all saying. All kinds so, right. of soft so addiction, it's not a, quote unquote, it, soft it's, addiction. It's yeah. shopping, gambling, sex, yeah. relationship addiction, um, you know, codependency. Mm -hmm. So it's all these pieces that people always think drugs and alcohol. So that was good clarification because yeah. it's not. It's it's the fact that people are addicted to stuff. Sugar. <laughs> there's. There, there's everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the American culture as a whole is addicted to sugar. So we can talk about that. Um, but it's, it's that uh, when you were just saying about how many people are in the field because they've been in addiction, um, there are many people. But one of the misnomers about it is that if you've been in addiction, 
you have a better sense of how to help people in addiction. And that's one of the things I always tell my students is just because you've been in addiction doesn't mean you're an expert. You're only no, an expert no. at you. I wasn't, you know, I'm not saying about you, but yeah. you're, you're only an expert at you and your recovery. And that actually, when it comes to clinical work, is very different because what worked for you isn't going to necessarily work for someone else. And that's one of the hardest things to teach people who are in the field with addiction recovery is that they want so badly in their novice time to bring their experience in to tell their story to tell their to guide in that way and it's like no you can't do that yeah it's about um theory and technical pieces and history taking and who this other person is and what they bring to their story and and um so it's very interesting that way because people often come to the table saying i've i've been in addiction i'm in recovery i know how to do this and here we go and then you know when you start really tearing it down away from like okay that's who you are but here's the bigger picture of what addiction is. Right. Um, so, but it's, it's great because people love the fact that they're transitioning their careers, going back to what we were talking about, um, transitioning their career. And there's other things out there to diversify with. So if you've identified as being a high level executive and you're looking for something else to do, I mean, this is one thing that people do, but there's tons of other things that people, I, I mean, I've had clients who've retired or who've decided in the middle of their 40s or whatever that they're going to become a photographer that they're going to go work on a cruise ship that they're like there's all these kinds of things that I are, like it it's a good idea. <laughs> there's I mean there's a million things out there but what happens is people get into that very um vapid space of one one route one go that's it instead of being like you know what this isn't the only thing I am yeah um and I caution people from a mental health perspective that you've got to really diversify your interests, diversify your your social outlets um, so that you can have your best life because it it will come a point if you have self-identified only as your job, when you go to have that job go away, there's, it's really hard for people. And we, and when I've worked many years ago, when I worked with geriatrics solely, I was working with geriatric clients. The, the incidence of, early mortality rates of dying of men yeah. who within a year of retirement, you know, mid sixties or late sixties after one year of retirement was huge because. Well, we've all known those people. We've all looked at people and right. said, I hope he never retires because, you know, it's yeah. all going to stop at that point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, and then there's, you know, like you and I've talked about before that we're in jobs that we never have to retire from. <laughs> We might want to, but we don't actually, yeah. we could do this forever, right? It's yeah. not like it's, it's not a manual labor job, even in, although in our heads it is. Right. Um, but I think that because of like what we do, we have diversity because we can talk and. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, that's by necessity, but yes. But we can, yeah. right. So we always have something to go to because we'll always have the similar stimulation in our minds and our bodies and our way of getting ourselves together, but that's not what most people have. So, right. you know, if you're an executive who, who's a CEO of a company and or, you know, you're a foreman on a crew and you've done that for 35 years, yeah. six and one half dozen the other, at the end of the day, if that's what you've identified with and now you're home and it's Monday and you don't know what to do, so, you know. It's tough in your 40s, though, to diversify because, I, honey, I'm, you know, I'm going to pay a little less attention to my six-figure job that's paying the mortgage and putting the kids through college right. and, you know, doing something else. That's a tough conversation to have. 
It is, but it's still, it's still good to, because it's the balance. It's the life wheel balance is, you know, that if you're all very heavily loaded, you know, you look at a wheel and you put all your spokes on it and you put all your little pieces of it and say, here's all my pieces and it's heavily leaning. Well, you put that on a bike and what does it do? It wobbles the bike. So, and usually when people are sitting in front of me, my clients, they're wanting obviously to change. So it's, I don't get to yeah. have the benefit of looking at other people that are out there wobbling on their bike with a, a lopsided wheel going, well, your wheel's lopsided because you're not looking at all those <laughs> other pieces. But, um, you know, when people really feel it and they've had good self-awareness to say, something's not working here, you know, looking at that whole wheel and saying, Oh, that's what's going on. You're missing out on family or missing out on, on downtime and vacation time. And, Usually vacation time, relaxation time, personal time is one of the biggest lopsiders yeah. of people. And then, of course, there's 2020, which was a big flashbang in everybody's existence. And it's like, and then there's that. That just blew, yeah. blew up the tire. <laughs> yeah. Anyone, anyone who is thinking in these terms, you know, just ha you just have to hold on for a year. Exactly. You know, and, and ongoing at this point because you don't really know what the future is. Yes, exactly. And and so in, in that continuum of people in um, – so we just take 2020 into now from last year to right now that continuum of people who like you know people that have not really changed anything then you've got people who have changed everything and haven't even gone out yet who are just starting to step out the and i'm see you know i've got that continuum of people in my practice and i'm watching going wow you know just the where people are at yeah. on the line and the um you know fear threat generation um, what things mean, how things are translated, how people make meaning of it for themselves and for others. Think of that challenge of the unknown and building your diversity right. or doing something different. That challenge of the unknown was already daunting. Right. You pile on top of that the challenge of the unknown of walking out of your house. Exactly. And it just makes it that much more difficult. Yes, exactly. Well, the, in the challenge of, I was just looking at all the comments. Good morning to everyone that's there this morning. Um, but the challenge of walking out of your house, if you haven't been walking out of your house and realizing that, going back to a few weeks ago when I said, realizing that no one, no one around your house was like, it wasn't, everyone was dying. Right. Um, you know, you, you know, versus the TV saying 500,000 people have passed away, but not 500,000 people next door to you, which some people have that mindset. Right. So now you have 2020 trying to get healthy, trying to diversify, you know, that's why I'm like, oh, it's exciting. Let's all come join the human baton because you can diversify yep. now online <laughs> with a web platform. Do you like how I did that? Yes, it did. It was I, a right? good segue. went right into the yeah. human baton. Um, but it's a great way for people. It is. That's, so that's one way, and that's one way that I can share with people. Like That's one way to diversify because now you can get excited about something that you can participate in that you didn't have before because those outlets aren't there. But this is a unique way to have an outlet like that. So, um, And it, but, there's a threshold element to this as well so you do something like the human baton and get out of your element a little bit it makes right. it easier for the other things that you need to do the next time you face that choice of getting out of your element and trying something different it makes it easier because you have the skill set to do it and you understand that everything's not going to blow up if you do with this and, it, and it's yeah. such and, and something like the human baton gives you the opportunity to be to try something out in the comfort of your own home and then start gradually venturing out on your own terms and it provides an opportunity that's totally different than, okay, I have to leave my house to go do something 
that I have no idea what I'm doing. This is like, oh, you can gradually yeah. load into it and then become a bigger part of it and make your own journey. So it's so I'm I'm wanting people for better mental health, especially because of 2020, to really try to find those outlets for themselves because there are tons of outlets. Um, you know, even as basic as going out on the river or going out and looking at birds, right? Yeah. People aren't doing that. Yep. A couple of weeks ago when we did the when I did the show on um get just getting out and going for a drive. Right. A, a couple of people pinged me afterwards and said, "Oh my god, thank you for saying get out there and do that because you know, they have naysayers going, "You shouldn't be doing that. That's ridiculous. That's why not?" Really? Like yeah. Getting in the car and going for a drive? Well, because people are afraid. You yeah. know, that you know, it's the same people I would and not knocking anyone, these are your choices, but it's the same people I would imagine also that wear a mask in their car by themselves. Which that's their prerogative, but it's that it's the fear generation. Like what do you yeah. it's the threat generation. What do you need that for? Um you're you're um validating and self confirming your own bias that something's really bad even in your car. And I could tell you some very interesting what I would call thought distortions of why people have told me that do wear them in the car, why they wear the masks in the car. Um, and, and they're just, they're just threat generation. They're yeah. not reality based. They're not rational based, but it's what those people are doing. And it's probably going to create more problems down the line for them than not, but this is what they're doing. The irony is the stress avoiding and the creating stress well, while they're stress avoiding. Right. Well, yeah. so that's, and there, and there's the point is that, you know, they're fearful to go out. When they do go out, they're creating more fear because they're putting on this extra thing within their space that they've already confined to because, okay, well, so one of the beliefs that I've been hearing is that the car, that there is circulating air that comes in from outside and people are walking around outside, so if they breathe it in, like, it's, yeah. right? So, yeah. right, you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, no, no scientific base, but nonetheless, yeah. here it is. And so so if you're coming out of a Oh, fear, you remember in the beginning of this, I told about the woman who wrote the story about the ocean. Oh, yes. Not walking near the ocean no, right, with because COVID because the spray well, was, a, was spraying it around. But that was a really big thing. And we did talk about that last year is that people were very concerned that the ocean spray and they had to, this, you know, CDC and other people had to come out and say, you can't get that from the yeah. ocean. You can't get it from a pool. That's not going to happen. It doesn't live in water like that. I forget the credentials, but this was a woman with credentials. Yes. For one thing. For, I remember. For another thing, it's published, which gives it a certain level of credibility. Right. And it's like we, our mantra through this whole thing is, well, I believe in the science. It's like, okay, well. I'm going to tell you something. Science doesn't know everything. Well, science changes. Especially about so this. Science yeah. gets better with what it becomes to know. Just like yep. we all, once we start knowing, we're allowed to shift and change, God forbid, that we have an idea and then all of a sudden something else informs it. And you go, oh, yeah. five years ago I believed this. And actually that sounds even more reliable than what I knew. So I'm going to change that. But people get crucified on, you said this then. Yeah. Now you're saying this now. But yeah, but science science changes. That's why we have technological changes over time that's why we're able to do more cures that's why we're able to do more things but you have to have you only know what you know in the moment now, to be honest the people who are getting crucified are people who were giving the believe in science speech while they were giving science that they know is going to evolve all science evolves yeah so oh i understand so if so it, like you and myself we we would look at the science so here's a lot of difference you know we look at science i believe i'll put you in there with me we look at science knowing it's going to evolve even before someone says that whereas a lot of people are very concrete about it which is fine that it's you know unidimensional and here it is so it gets people very stuck in terms of Mm -hmm. diversifying thought right we're talking about diversity Plus, you're being herded that way the, right the mentality around all of this has been 
you're questioning the science. You can't question the science. Right. Well, I can because six months from now, we're going to think something different. Right. Well, and, yeah. it's, and it's not necessarily maybe, and maybe we're using the terms differently, but yeah. it's not necessarily questioning the science. It's more about like being open to the fact that it's evolving and that we know that science evolves. Oh, I know that, but right. society is telling you right. don't question the science. Right. You can't step right. out of line. You can't, you right. can't get off the line. Exactly. Well, so yes, yeah. in that context, it's yeah. like that's, and that's how people, now, which comes first? Is that really the science or is that people making the no, perspective that's... and the perception that, well, science says, therefore we should do right. versus, you know, the science actually, or scientists actually saying, well, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Mm, I think it's probably a little bit of both, but, but it, it, it leads back to, you know, creating moments and spaces in your life where you can diversify thinking, right? Triangulating your thoughts, making sure you have lots of base points, uh, you know, going back to retirement, going into something new like the human baton. See how I slipped that in there again? Yep. <laughs> you know, finding... I keep dragging you away from the human baton. I know. It? Do not keep doing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm loading it up because it's such a, it's such a good thing for people because yeah. of the pandemic. It's even a better thing because people are looking for things to do. Um, hey, if you want to go out there and take a run today and do five miles outside, you should do that because it's beautiful out. Yep. Or go five feet for some people that haven't left the house. Five feet. Yeah. Um, so, so the theme of today, which wasn't even discussed yet, was, was going to be just on, you know, because of given what we talked about last week with Calvin, just kind of how to embrace a lifestyle that really gives you your best full picture. So, you know, sleep, humor, activity, social connection, family, vocational satisfaction, money, mm-hmm. um, uh, pets, whatever it is, it's, it's super important. And I think that when talking with Calvin last week, it inspired me to really go back to some of the roots that I use in my, cl- in my classes, in my clinical work, is that getting people to really see that there's so many pieces of their puzzle to make them strong and healthy that are missing. And people, even during pandemic time is, you know, there's, there's, I hear lots of complaints and, and not, that's not a disparaging term. It's complaints about how something's not going well Yeah. and really looking at, okay, but why isn't it going well? Because you're hyper-focusing or self-sabotaging because the focus is on that one thing yep. or the focus isn't on that one thing it's on these other things and then your your wheel is lopsided and it's falling off the bike because you're so hyper focused on something else don't you find the challenge to this oftentimes is people who don't prioritize themselves enough it's kind of a self-care thing it's like i'm too busy being the father and the husband and the worker and it's like okay if i'm not getting everything i want tough you know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing now. I got to take care of these other things. I think in some people that's a mentality for it. I don't find that as I. So going across my career, I would say that I found that more in the beginning of my career than I do now. Yeah. And I think it's because of the generational switches that have happened in, in people I'm seeing up through, you know, the 50 year old parents I see are very different than the 25 and 30 year old parents that I'm seeing, which would happen anyways over time. Sure. But definitely that that focus. Um, I can see the I, me focus way more than I used to in people versus like the community-based, you know, collectivist togetherness piece. Um, So, so yes and and no. And I think that's a good thing because I think the whole concept of put your mask on first is a very important concept Mm -hmm. that, you know, my generation didn't embrace as much as probably it's being embraced now. Yeah, I would say, I would say... I'm just like thinking yeah. about people in my in my life going yeah I would imagine that 
I would say the same thing too. That the eye piece to that is much more um, upfront. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Very visible, which is good. Yeah. I mean, to some degree, until it gets well, narcissistic. Like everything else. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, so, so the health and wellness piece of the diversifying, you know. So, people say, "Well, give me a tip." Okay. So. One of your best tips for good health and wellness to start all this process, and it's everyone's like, oh, that's so boring. Good sleep. Yeah. And people are just like, oh, that's so boring. That's no fun. Well, okay. If you have good sleep, all the other stuff is going to actually fall into line because the better sleep you have, the less anxious you'll be, the less threat generating you'll be. Mm -hmm. The more likely you'll go out and be active, the more likely you won't buy into your own threat generation fears in your head or even create them, um, it, it's a right. whole big piece. So, and, and so instead of going into all the science of sleep, it's really about social media is a big driver right now for people's sleep disorders. Mm -hmm. TV, Facebook, Instagram, all those things, they're great during the day, but nighttime when people are up, oh, the statistics that have come out this year <laughs> on the amount of... TV time and obviously, you know, all the movie time and all the different things is quite something. And people don't realize that if you don't shut off your blue light, essentially, um, screen time within 30, 45 minutes of falling asleep, and I'm guilty of not doing it as well, so I'm yep. right there telling you I don't do all the things I preach in this way because my TV's there. Um, that if you don't, it, it truncates the ability for your body to make the melatonin, which is sending the signal for you to sleep. So people have trained themselves to fall asleep with the TV on, yeah. which is one of the best inventions is the TV timer. <laughs> it turns it <laughs> off in the middle of whatever. Yes. It's fantastic. But um, being able to really train yourself to shut off things. And people don't like, so here's the report I get. People don't like to sit in their beds with themselves. Yes. <laughs> Self-avoidance. Yeah, no. And have to have no noise. Nothing to occupy their mind but themselves. And if yeah. you're not at peace with that, that's a very stressful time. So, and this yeah. is why I always come back to that first. And it's not sexy and it's not salacious, it's just sleep. Well, this is a big deal is being able, when I tell my clients, you have to be able to sit with yourself, I usually get an eye roll, <laughs> a big sigh, uh, you yeah. know, like that look of, I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all the, all the negative things because. Because the storyline that a person has around sleep is terrible. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the things I always ask every single client, especially when I first start with them, is how's your sleep? What's what's going on with your sleep? And 99% yep. of sure. the time it's disastrous. Or it's over the top. That's the other thing. I have clients that can sleep all day. Yeah. That's not as common, yeah. but it's more the sleep disruption. So, you know, and then so you have sleep disorders. And so if people are anxious during the day, they have sleep disorder. They have sleep anxiety, which can become disordered that, you know, if you're coming in and out of sleep a couple times a night to get up and go to the bathroom or because, as you know, in my case, I have five bouncing gymnasts around my head yes. at all times. Um, and people will tell me, well, why don't you just shut them out of the bedroom? Well, that's yeah, because that, that I have my own work. disordered behavior with yeah. the fact that I can't let my cat sleep outside of the room, which I am aware of. <laughs> um, but all those things make an impact on your ability to function the next day, which probably contributes to my headache today. Yep. 
two underrated, two most underrated things in mental health, I think, sleep and exercise. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and they're easy when you do it right, but you have to put some thought into it. Sleep doesn't just happen. Well, and, and that's the thing is that people, have, life is so fast or life is so complicated in some people's minds that sleep is a foregone conclusion that that's just something you have to do at the end of the day. And then it's like, well, what do I do to get that right? Or what do I do to get that healthy? And it's, and it's really getting a ritual. So, you know, I have a ritual. I well, you talk my... about the blue light with social media and, yeah. and that type of thing. I think social media beyond that is a big challenge to sleep because you go on social media, you get worked up. Yes. You, you get into that fight or flight mode. You get, you get, uh, you get agitated. And a half an hour before bed, that's not helping you. It, well, that's why I'm saying that, you know, yeah. getting into a ritual of, of being able to even back it down. Let's, you know, instead of, you know, 45 minutes ahead of time might be way too much for somebody to start off right away to be able to. But let's, you know, take five extra minutes or let's just shut it off in general. <laughs> you know, don't do a, pre, a pre-launch of 40 minutes. Let's just say, okay, right, we're going to actually turn the TV off tonight. And then go to sleep. People have a hard time doing that. Yeah. I have a hard time doing that, mostly because yeah. I'm getting home at nine thirty, ten o'clock at night, and then my wind down time is to be able <laughs> yeah. to do that. So, you know, um, and finding and the last thing I want to do is read because I've been doing that all day. Right? Yep. So it depends on your career, depends on things, but really saying, okay, make a commitment to I'm just going to shut the TV off when I'm truly ready to go to bed or put the timer on so at least it's going off so that you're not sleeping through yeah. the whole night with it on. I don't personally struggle with the TV, but no TV in the bedroom. Well, no TV in the bedroom, but Never. good luck with yeah. that. Yeah. Right? I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I'm notorious. I have a TV in my bedroom, and it's certainly on. As you know, I've, yeah. I have TVs on all the time, you know. Um, but I try to work on making sure that I know that it's not good. And I know that it creates probably more of the headache that I yeah. have. Um, but certainly aware of like no shows on. I, I have a friend that she'll kill me if I say what she watches, but I have a friend that watches the same shows over and over and over. And we do all the theme songs when we <laughs> see her. Cause see, she, that's she's, part of like, ah, that's part I love of my you, relationship. By the way, I love you, Kay. I won't say your whole name. But... I'm, I'm with her because that's part of my relationship with television. Where late at night, it'll be an episode of something that I'm just comfort yeah, TV, well, and... not something I have to pay attention to. Right. It's just there, and I know the people, and I know the story, and you know, just wallpaper. Well, and and so to that point, and I understand that. So it's actually, it's become a self-soothing thing for people that yeah. do that, and it's like. In my instance, I don't ever watch a specific show, so it's not a consistent, it's just on, and I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. But for most people that I know that do that, it's a consistent show or a consistent channel that has their nightly, that's their routine, so it's, you know, the music from this show then turns into the music from this show to the music from the show, and so, you know, that's the running joke, is that, oh... I so badly want to just be like Friends. Somebody <laughs> that watches Friends over and over again. No, great example of um, it, sure. right? Um, Grey's yeah. Anatomy, uh, yeah. SVU. You know, <laughs> so she's gonna kill me. Oh, we all have our shows. I know. Yeah, but it's it's the self soothing. That's the thing that's missing between whether or not someone is able to sit with themselves. Yeah. Or they have the music and the show. This doesn't even matter what the show is on and saying. It's just that it's the comfort of that being like, oh, that's there to give me my safety. Because sitting with oneself is very, very difficult. Yeah. And, and uh, 
That was a tough thing to overcome. It is. Yeah. And so, so a tip to get good mental health around sleep is that if you want to do that through backing your TV or your social media time down is, is finding something else to do when you do turn the TV off. Like you could do like those little, um, coloring books, you know, that have the men doll women love those and I'm not being sexist either, but women do love those. Um, you could have cards, you could play something on, on, you know, you could write big on writing. Some people don't like writing. Take one piece of like a chapter of something that you really find inspiring. I mean, there's a million different things, but people don't like to change their routine. So yeah. it's just being mindful really of the fact that sleep is probably the number one thing for your mental and physical health that you could do. It sets the whole day. It sets the whole tone for your eating, your motivation level, your interaction level, mm -hmm. your uh, communication ability, your agitation level. So, and I think people underestimate what it does for oh, yeah. everything. And so good sleep. So, oh, so going back to the melatonin, this is the other thing I was going to say is um, people take melatonin on top of all of this thinking, oh, melatonin is, it's like a sleep aid. That's not quite what melatonin does. Melatonin isn't like a sleep pill. Mm -hmm. It's it. What it does is you, you're not supposed to use melatonin all the time. People do, and then they go, they come to me and say, "Well, it doesn't work anymore." Right? It doesn't work anymore. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not like um, like it's not like Nyquil or something right. that's going to knock you out. Right? It's helping your system that's already dysregulated help regulate it to get it into the sleep. After a while, even a week or two, it might not work as effectively, and you're on now you're on five milligrams of melatonin because it's not working because your body is not kicking it on when it's supposed to. So if you shut the TVs off and the phones off and everything off 30 minutes before, the body knows to ramp up the melatonin, which is actually allowing your body to go into a sleep state. When you don't, the melatonin doesn't know. It's on. It's on the cycle of the sun, essentially. So, if, yeah. if there's light going on and there's movement and stimulation and all that, your body doesn't know to put it on. So when you take melatonin, it sort of pops on the melatonin button, right in the in the limbic system in the brain, and says, "Let's okay, we're gonna now to sleep." But people who usually take it will report that, "Well, I woke up three hours later." Right, because your body isn't doing it naturally. Your yeah. body's training itself to now rely on this other thing that's only going to work for a little bit of time. So in theory, technically, melatonin's only supposed to be every so often, you know, a night or two in a row, just to kind of help regulate your sleep cycle. It's not about a sleep aid to just help you sleep, because that's not what it does. It pops, you'll pop in and out of sleep, and people report that. Like, why am I not sleeping through the night? I took melatonin. Yeah. That's why. And then they take melatonin and then they find that, you know, the, their medical prescriber will give them like something else. I'm like, this is, your brain is going zippity doo da because yeah. it's not doing itself and it's getting confused of how to actually regulate itself. And um, your body knows how to do it. You're just not giving it the opportunity because you have too much stimulation around you. And therefore that's a problem. So you wake up the next day and another report that people have is I feel draggy. Right. Because you took a lot more melatonin than you needed. Oh, plus you added in. An Ativan, an Ambien, a Trazodone, a Seroquel. I call those yeah. the floor liquors. Yeah. And I go, oh, okay. Plus, by the way, you can't do that stuff and do six hours of sleep. 
Well, you can't, right. You it can't, doesn't work. You're right, going to end up groggy. at least 8, 10. Yeah. And, and still, and then you also need to be drinking lots of fluid, lots of water to clear your liver, your kidney to metabolize. You know, it's just, yeah. That's funny. I had that three-hour melatonin thing for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Right? So, and, and so, and, um, so the more natural you can be around that, if you can get good sleep, all the other spokes in your wheel will fall t- together better than if you don't. And people, de- I mean, we're just a culture right now that has really poor sleep. I mean, the statistics on sleep disorders is huge. And it's really based on, it's, which comes first, the chicken and the egg. The sleep disorders are typically based on two or three things. They're based on stress. Yep anxiety right threat generation throughout the day that creates the problem and then usually eating and obesity or eating some type of eating stimulating the brain doing bad habits health unhealthy habits for eating and having sleep problems based on either being too heavy or too thin and you know on either side but mostly being too heavy and then also um Red products giving agita, you know, giving GERD, having gastrointestinal issues in the evening because you eat chocolate or you have lots of wine or you have lots of yeast products or things that have been aged. And, you know, people don't want to change their patterns. But these are all things that go into the sleep issue. Or caffeine at Uh, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Which my husband is notorious for doing. He's the only person I've ever met that can have like seven Red Bulls and then go to sleep. (laughs) Well, that's the military thing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Because, uh, like, all the guys that I work with in my practice, too, like, oh, yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. I can do that. Like, he could have double shot of espresso in a coffee at 11 p.m. at night, have a Red Bull, and I'll be, like, <laughs> wide awake, and he'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yep, I'm hating you. So, um, so my tip of the day hmm? is to get more diversity in your life. It starts with good sleep so that your spokes can all be well-rounded so right. your 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 bicycle tire doesn't wobble <laughs> there's my visual for the day get your sleep in order is sleep better and and to my friend who i'm using the initial of k is is you know maybe turn the tv off <laughs> she's gonna kill me <laughs> she's probably not even listening today but in case you are i love you yep. um but yeah so diversify your life is easier when you have really good sleep because you think clear and you don't have all the threat generation you'll still have it but you'll have less and it's one less contributor to your stress level, which is going to make everything better. Exactly. And if I can say that you could also just come and join the human baton. Yes. Well, that's part of your diversity, right? <laughs> exactly. Is you just come join the human baton and then your life will get you right. You go on your journey. We'll help you, you know, capture your stuff that's in your head that's not working for you. Gives you Challenge. a small manageable intent. Yeah. Yeah. Challenge you and change you. Because you want that. So you come on over and I'll get you all right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you guys have a fantastic week. And I will certainly be here next week to talk to all of you. And next week is St. Patrick's Day. Oh, that's right. Yay. I'm Irish. I should know that. (laughs) Yes, you should. (laughs) Me too. So, all right, you guys. Have a fantastic week and get good sleep.